Welcome to Culture Meets Crypto, a podcast that dives into the intersection of gaming, music, art, and crypto. Each week, Angela, Ali, and Evans speak with global founders, CEOs, and thought leaders about the many new online economies which are bubbling up in the metaverse. Our conversations will explore new business models with the leaders who are shaping this future. This week, we are so excited to have on Josie Bellini, crypto artist and founder of Cyber Brokers. Josie is a pioneering artist and a designer who has been creating crypto art since 2017. She's a background in finance and creates art that tells the story of the crypto ecosystem. Not only does Josie utilize canvas and paint in her work, but she also releases digital art and augmented reality scenes to fully immerse her viewers. Josie has exhibited in virtual worlds and at major blockchain conferences like Consensus, NFT NYC, and Satoshi Roundtable. On this episode, Angela and Evan dive into Josie's world, working with NFTs, creating crypto art, and gaming. Hope you enjoy our first episode. Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Culture Meets Crypto. We are so excited to have our favorite NFT artist, Josie Bellini, and friend here today. Here today. Josie is an OG NFT artist. She is, um, she's been creating in the space really since uh, 2015. Um, I've been a collector of hers since 2017. So we're really excited to have her here. Uh, her Behind the Art Show from many years ago was a must listen in the space. And uh, she's onto a new project, Cyber Brokers, which we're really excited to learn more about. Um, but uh, anyway, over to you. I'd love to just have you introduce yourself, Josie, and also um, talk a little bit about your background because we have uh, many people in our audience are financials, are financial people and investors. And as you know, I have a traditional finance background and I, um, I would just love to hear uh, your perspective. I know it's more than just finance that, that brought you here. So I'd love to hear all about it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on here with you guys. Um, you also gave me a little bit too much credit. I started it, it, getting interested in investing in crypto in 2015, but really started creating crypto art in 2017. Um, but I- well, and I was one of your first collectors. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> I love it. Um, but uh, I- Originally, what you know, what we're talking about here is originally I, I studied finance in, in school. Um, it was it was an industry that um, I was interested in. I wasn't necessarily extremely passionate about, but as I started to learn more um, about the the financial world and how it worked, um, it really got me interested to absorb everything I could. It was something that I didn't learn about growing up. Um, they don't really teach it in schools. It wasn't taught around me or in my household. So once I was learning how how to invest, how people grow, maintain their wealth, um, I really stuck on to that. And so that's what I studied in school. I ended up working in private wealth management after graduating. Um, and I quickly um, learn the ropes. I became registered as a, uh, a representative to sell and buy securities um, for folks and started managing people's portfolios. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount that um, I never thought I would, but I started learning about all these financial instruments and assets. And I personally got really interested to start to invest. I never um, really invested before. 
every paycheck that I got in college was paying off my student loans. Um, and I realized how important it is to start growing your money um, rather than putting everything towards paying something down. So I wanted to start investing um, immediately on some of the things that I was interested in. I realized that I myself, even though I could buy and sell it for other people, because I was not an accredited investor, even though I was completely knowledgeable about it, I could not enter in a lot of the investments that I was interested in. Um, so that was, was extremely interesting for me to be able to accept. Um, and it made me really start searching for um, something else that I felt like there wasn't so many barriers to. Um, in college, I had written a paper on Bitcoin um, and was really interested in crypto. And then this sort of propelled me to dive deeper into that. Um, I thought maybe this is the way that I can start investing. And, and, and when I, I did, I did make a small investment in Bitcoin and Ethereum, but that itself um, really made me extremely interested in absorbing and learning anything I could about the world of, of crypto. Um, I began going to every single meetup possible in Chicago. I started leading a meetup, doing conferences. It really just like unraveled this whole um, thread. Uh, and it was really, it just, it took over me. It consumed me because I started learning about the ethos behind crypto. I learned why people were so passionate about it and had this like really this conviction about it. Um, and I realized I had the same thing. And it, um, I knew, I knew immediately when I started investing and learning that I wanted to work in this field somehow. So, like I said, I started going to every meetup. I connected with folks to start running meetups, um, to organize a conference, and I wanted. I, I decided that there were so many startup blockchain companies, and and I wanted to be able to help them grow and be able to help educate people in general about cryptocurrencies. So I took, I quit my job, um, which was crazy to think about at the time, but I quit my job. I took a coding bootcamp at Northwestern um, and I decided I was gonna become a full stack dev for crypto companies. Um, I ended up hating coding. I barely remember any of what I learned there. Um, and, but I love, I stuck to the design side of everything. Um, I'd always done art growing up. And really it just like solidified my passion and my love for creating and um, the art and design side of it. So I started doing design work for all these different um, uh, companies around the country and also abroad, um, started creating a ton of assets for different conferences and all of that, you know, really, I was, I was doing crypto in every aspect I could for work and my free time. Um, and I really wanted something that could represent my journey because it was so much more than work for me. Um, and that's when in 2017, I decided to create a piece of crypto art, um, which was Genesis at the time. And it was a piece of art that um, really just represented my journey so far in the space, um, coming from traditional finance and finding crypto and um, you know, the bear and the bull, uh, she has a bear and bull, uh, mask on. And it just, it just represented a lot for me. Um, and that piece was intended to just be personal, but, um, I ended up posting it on Reddit on r slash cryptocurrency was, which was like the hot fun place to be at that time. 
Um, and it got a ton of upvotes. People were asking how they could get prints of it and wanting to own it. And that just totally blew my mind because I realized in that moment that we're all sharing this journey together and we're all here for this bigger, deeper reason, this revolution, and nobody had anything tangible um, to represent their journey so far within this, within this space. So creating art, you know, I, I say crypto made me an artist, which it did. Um, it gave me that ability to really pursue this, this idea of being creative and, and telling a story through visuals and um, Reddit, you know, Reddit was a huge part of that because it also made people interested in my work and quickly I that's the way that path started and I quickly went down that path and really haven't looked back since um and you know that brought me to the journey I'm I'm on today hmm. you said a few things that we've never talked about before that re definitely resonate with me uh, we're both midwesterners uh and I went to University of Chicago I studied finance uh I think there's more to the story because I know I have my story and I, there are a lot of women who study finance and who then follow this entrepreneurial path into crypto and this passion for self-sovereign wealth creation, as I say it. And, you know, I, I grew up in a family of artists and, and really entrepreneurs, and I didn't have um, a lot of preconceived notions around me of what I should or shouldn't be, um, you know, go, coming to New York City in 1999 as someone originally from Kansas, you know, it was actually very liberating for me. And it always, and that kind of, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, I think, uh, is really what led me to crypto, you know, after a long, long career in finance. And I just wonder from your perspective, is there, is there more to the story in terms of your background and kind of how you followed this entrepreneurial path out of finance? Yeah, it's interesting because for me, so growing up, I grew up um, in in poverty and sort of an interesting situation um, where from a very young age, I, I was a, a middle child, older sister and younger sister. And from a very young age, um, I was the head of the household. And when my sister was born, I was five years old and I raised her since her birth. Um, and wow. we really became like, I became a, a hustler at a young age. Um, I, I was savvy. I knew I needed to be able to get things that I couldn't get at home, just simple, basic, you know, means of survival. Um, so I really, at a young age, you know, I started working at eight. Um, I was, yeah, I, I was a few different things, a mother's helper, organizing files, like doing all these sorts of things I could at an extremely young age um, to be able to get money, to get food, clothes, whatever I needed for myself and my sister. Um, so it wasn't necessarily for me like this, like fostering of like being an entrepreneur. It was like hustling and making it. And mm. that for me, I think changed a lot of, of my life and definitely colored that, um, but in a really interesting way. Um, and in not so much, it's interesting because and I'm, I'm interested in your take on this too. Um, a lot of folks ask me on the podcasts or just in general, how it feels to be a woman in crypto or a woman in finance. And like, um, I guess what has been like the hardship because of that. 
And it's a really interesting question to me because for me, it's, it's not something that I've necessarily thought of as a um, barrier in any way because there were so many other barriers um, that that is not something I was ever, I guess, phased by. It didn't even like, it didn't even come across my mind in a lot of ways. And, and for me, there was a lot of luck also with, with growing up and um, we were placed with, with different people than my mom by the time I was 11. So I hadn't seen her since then. There was all these different situations, but really there was a lot of luck that I was a girl um, and not a boy in a trouble situation and that I was white. Um, so those two things gave me a lot of luck in the path that I was able to take um, outside of that situation. So really to me, I've never looked at being a woman as a barrier to things. And, and I think I obviously I'm extremely supportive of women and know that there's hardships being a woman and and being, you know, uh, uh, a woman in these male-dominated fields. It's just not something that I personally have resonated with a lot, um, but I'm really excited to see that people are talking about that and people are also um, finding other ways for other minorities to really be in our space as well now. We hear that conversation a lot, which is really exciting, um, or just even like women and black women and coding like all of these sorts of things but anyways that's that's a little bit of my background of why even i decided to go in finance i i said okay i need to be in a career that makes a lot of money you know that's my only choice so so that's why i went down that path and would have never gone down the path of following this creative itch that i had until i realized that it was actually sustainable and it was possible mm -hmm. well it's really crazy that we're finding these things out on a podcast, but I had a very similar, I definitely, you know, was not raised in poverty, but, um, you know, I was with my mom from the age of seven. My dad is very much alive and well, but my parents separated and my grandmother moved in with us who had brain cancer. I took care of her. Um, and it was just three strong women in the house. I was an only child. So, um, you know, it, and, and I also never, it never crossed my mind that I was a woman and different or any, it was just like, there's only one path. I've got to do well in school. I've got to, you know, I, I just was very focused on um, achieving at a young age, almost similarly out of necessity. That's what, that's what we do. And um, it's also interesting that you had two sisters. And, and so I don't know if there were any men in the house, but that's also, you know, an interesting um, thing because I never, it's never really um, when people say, what is it like to be a woman in this business? I look around and think, oh, wow. Oh yeah, actually there are no women here. <laughs> yeah, same. I have that same feeling, which is so, so interesting. It's so interesting. Um, so um, yeah, well, that was, that was super interesting, but we definitely want to, we, we want to uh, turn to um, your latest project, Cyber Brokers. And I'm going to turn it over to Evan Castelli, uh, my co-host who um, has a few questions to ask you about that. Hi, Josie. Um, so, so far, your, your journey as an artist, your journey just as a, a human has sort of culminated in this 10,001 uh, NFT collection called Cyber Brokers. So could you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind Cyber Brokers? Um, and then later, we'll get into some of the content that you're creating with your community. Perfect. Yeah. So Cyber Brokers, we we started on Cyber Brokers uh, like over two years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, I 
creating crypto art for a few years and really becoming passionate about everything behind crypto. Um, it led me to going to the first NFT NYC, um, obviously minting and playing crypto kitties right when they launched, um, like all of these different things that started to involve NFTs. Um, I quickly became obsessed with what the metaverse was, what the idea was, how to build the metaverse when I met um, someone named Jin, now a good friend. Um, he, I met Jin at um, NFT NYC, the first one, and he opened my world to a lot of different things. Um, he was one of the first users of crypto voxels. Um, he introduced it to me when there was still like no color in the world, not many users. Uh, and he was, you know, he was showing me VR chat and he was showing me what the virtual world was and um, was also explaining to me how I could become a part of it. And actually he, it was really funny because when I first met him, it was a bit bizarre. I had a, um, a, a little table up at, at the first NFT NYC and some art on it. And he walked up to my table and while I was chatting with someone else and took an iPad and just started scanning my table. Um, he was scanning it all, you know, getting down to the ground, going above and, I was like, what is this guy doing? And then when I asked him, he turned his iPad around and he had scanned my booth into 3D um, and then showed me how he could put it in a virtual environment and walk around it and interact with it. And I was just like, what? Like I was, I was just totally mind blown. So he and I quickly became friends and we, um, you know, I picked his brain, everything I could about what the metaverse was, how he was building it, how he wanted to live inside of it. And he was like this, this, this star that I was like, this is where people are headed. He's already here. And he really helped me understand what, um, what the purpose was for, for the metaverse, for the digital world. Um, I already obviously knew about NFTs and the importance of digital ownership. Um, so, so, and digital property, but this sort of helped tie everything together. So I had the interest and passion in crypto. I started doing a lot of things, obviously, in NFTs, augmented reality, virtual reality, and then, um, and then, you know, just finding the art style, finding everything and, and being passionate about the metaverse. All those things combined, I decided I wanted to create a collection that could reach a wider group than my crypto art. Um, that was out there. That was very limited edition. Um, and I wanted to do it in a way that was really special. And when I um, now Jin, J-I-N, now talking about Jim, Jimmy, um, Jimmy and I also became really great friends. And we started talking about his project Avastars um, before it was even named Avastars and talking about uh, potentially I was going to do the art for it. Um, and he was really really a big proponent and, and still is of what of uh, NFTs being on chain and having this, mm. this permanence as, as long as Ethereum lives, the NFT living um, and being really written into code versus just being an image stored on an external server. So the combination of all these people that came in my life and these friends I became with, um, I was determined that I wanted to create a project that that would live forever. Um, and that was a really special project and combined all of these passions and interests. So um, I teamed up with 
one of the smartest guys I know. Um, I knew I needed a tech partner and a tech lead in this. So I had been friends with Ben Heidorn for years. We met back in 2018 in Paris. And um, I knew that he had to be the guy to help me with this. And when I talked to him about it, he was stoked. He was like, yes, we're going to do this. Um, he's so brilliant and he was able to write, you know, all this crazy custom code and contract and compressor and decompressor. And he was at the beginning saying, we are going to store the most robust art ever to be stored on Ethereum. And wow. that's what we did. Um, and it took us a while to build, but we wanted everything done properly. And this was, mind you, we started this before PFPs existed. Mm -hmm. The only thing that existed was CryptoPunks, which is why we were doing 10,001 as, you know, an homage, like pay, pay respect to CryptoPunks. They were the only one out there. It was before, I think the first kind of like PFP was maybe hash masks after that, but it was before all of that. Um, it just took us a lot longer to release than any of these. Um, uh, so by the time four day you know, dude, it was like all these 10K collections came around. It was interesting um, when we were ready to launch. It was like, do we stay 10K? Like, is it weird now? Because like everyone has been doing that and we took a little bit longer to get to the game. And then we were like, we've been building this for so long and with so much intent, it doesn't change anything. Um, so we released Cyber Brokers, a 10,001 collection in March. Um, and everything, like I said, is made out of SVGs. So they're a hundred percent completely stored on chain, the metadata, the art itself, it's all broken down into code. Um, so anyone could recreate the art themselves just simply by looking at the contract, um, which is something that only a few projects have done. Um, so that's sort of how the, it originated and then, you know, uh, what we just launched in March. Mm. So you putting cyber brokers on chain, is that sort of akin to like cementing the foundation of your metaverse or the cyber broker metaverse? Absolutely. And, and, and not only that, like we, as, as being um, Chris, then myself, like we've been in crypto for a while that they might have been, um, and we know um, how projects come and go and things happen and We've had it happen to us where our art on our NFTs just completely that we've purchased and collected completely disappeared as the project goes away. Like there was so much about um, the longevity and making the stamp. And we're, we're, we are um, in this so long term and we have such a grand vision that we didn't want, that we wanted to make a statement with that um, to, per to permanently have that there, exactly how you said. And even though even though you um, you alluded to the ten thousand and one, uh, Evan and I were talking about this last night, and we thought you could have just stopped there, but we both found it really interesting that you have this call to action to non-holders of your NFTs, which is very unusual in the space. Usually, the holders get access to everything, and everybody else is kind of left in the cold. Um, you know, so I'd love to hear your perspective on that. And then I can't wait to talk about the content, which I have uh, been loving. Awesome. Um, yeah, we, it's really interesting because something that I'd love to see change in this space is how it feels like um, all of these large projects are building in a silo. And I get it. It's, it's, it's not necessarily 
um, amazing to spend a ton of money on something and share the, the rewards with someone other than your own personal team. Um, but I truly believe that in the metaverse, like we need to work together. We are, our ecosystem is be, going to become massive, like many, many, many mul multiples X of what it is today. So number one, I'd love to see the reason why we make sure that we involve more than just our holders. Um, and I can list a couple ways we do that, but is because everyone in this space that's joining this space is important. And if there is now a price that is unattainable and they can't, which is most NFTs today, um, a normal person is not gonna spend even $1,000 on a digital good. That's expensive, it's a lot of money. Um, so if there's this barrier and they just can't get, they, they are passionate, they think the stories are cool, they, they like it, but there's just no way for them to even take part. And because they don't have a hexagon, um, you know, Twitter profile picture, they're no one and they don't matter. Like, that's just not the kind of ecosystem that I want to build. Um, if they're Agreed. interested and passionate about what you're working on, find a way to invite them in. Find a way. Like, that's like, I, you know, for so long when I've been selling crypto art, uh, you know, prints, prints are expensive. Art is expensive. You want to be a part of our ecosystem, buy a $25 t-shirt and it has AR and you can do all these fun things with it, right? And you don't even have to buy anything. You can like and retweet things on Twitter and that's enough of a support. So I think it's really important to find ways to support people and bring people in that are not uh, um, able to or cannot necessarily buy into your asset. Um, everyone that's coming into our space is important. And we're working on some things in the future that really, we know this space is growing and we have our sites and are working on things a lot internally that um, that help and, and go down this route as well. Um, so yeah, with that, we, we've done we've done quests, community quests, where you do not have to be in a holder to play. Um, you can get involved. And we've gotten a lot of really amazing community members that are now um, mech, mech arm, mech, you know, blueprint mech holders, but not cyber broker holders. And we had in our first quest, we had um, of the lupus arm holders, which is just anyone can play. And if you played, you got a lupus arm. We had 88% of those people come back to play quest two, which is a wow. huge number. That's massive. That's better than anyone's email open rates, right? So like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a huge number and it's showing us that we are right in our thoughts and our passion to make sure that our community is bigger than 10,001. Yeah, I'm so excited about this because back in 2017, you know, my background was in video games. And when um, I, I met William Intrican and uh, we, we were on a, we were attending a panel. I was on a panel with point artists and there were, uh, and Alex Atala from OpenSea was there and there were so few people there um, but it was that it, it was around that time where I had had this big epiphany that NFTs could reach the masses in the same way that people had been buying, selling, trading digital assets and games for decades, only not, you know, only they didn't own them. And as we move into the metaverse, you know, Tim Sweeney at Epic had already been talking about the metaverse at that time. And I was so inspired by this idea that 
spending more time online and, and having more of our social capital and identity online in the same way we have skins in the video game world means that, you know, we're going to want property rights and we're going to want ways to track things. And so I have been pretty disappointed, to be honest, with this first wave because it hasn't gone to the masses. It's, it's been very much, um, you know, a lot of gamers are pretty, are pretty critical of NFTs um, because, you know, gamers are used to people trying to make money in their space where they're trying to have fun <laughs> from play to win or sorry, pay to win to uh, just general advertising that they reject. Uh, and now there's this, you know, kind of concern out there that this is just a money grab as well. And so I love hearing you talk about bringing, bringing in these non-holders and that people are coming back organically. Like that is the way to reach two and a half billion gamers. And I don't even think the term gamer means anything anymore because everybody's a gamer. And so I want to get to the content because I love your content. And, um, you know, I wondered if, um, you know, Mech Pilot Spice Alpha Command 10 is you <laughs> or inspired by you. Um, and I also, I, I just want to give maybe a line just for people who don't know the story can, can um, you know, kind of maybe get excited about listening in uh, or reading the story and kind of getting involved in the community because I love the idea of this um, kind of modern, more real version of Ready Player One almost. Um, that, in, that includes crypto as a tool for building, you know, for these bubbling economies uh, that are coming up. I actually looked at, people keep asking me about Ready Player One uh, in the gaming space and or in just traditional finance space. And I looked it up and the person who wrote Ready Player One is 50. And I just know in my gut, that's not the thing. And so when I started listening to what you're building, uh, one thing that really, that I really loved was this idea that I won't say who the character is, uh, but he is, there's, there's three groups, right? There's the, the apes, which are the politicians with the big, with the shiny white teeth, which I love, um, the humans, and then the AIs. And uh, I met, you know, the part in the story where one of the humans, who's very important to the story, finds out that he's an AI. And even though he cries and he's displaying behavior that, um, you know, might indicate he's falling in love and, you know, all of these kind of um, you know, displaying these human characteristics, he, he finds out that he's an AI. And I just wondered, how is this, uh, this story is so engaging. Is there, is there one person behind it? Are there many people behind it? Are you the main writer? I'd love to hear some insight there. <laughs> I'm not the main writer. I will not take credit for that. And I am not, I'm not Spice um, or the inspiration behind Spice, but she's a total badass and I'm totally friends with her. Um, so I, early on, Ben and I knew we needed this third component. We needed someone to build out the universe and the lore. There's so much, there's so much importance behind the story of what you're building um, and, and bringing people into the community. That's how you create fans forever, right? Like think about the Harry Potters, the Lord of the Rings, like there's so much content there for people to consume and um, attach themselves to certain characters or be, become obsessed with all these little themes and see them in their own life. And, and we knew how important it was to have build this rich story of content around cyber brokers. Um, and Ben and I were going back and forth thinking about who this person could be. And then we both were like Chris Chapman. Um, ben had previously worked with Chris 
Um, Chris is like a a a brilliant little crazy hyper like multi-talented guy he he can code he can write he can draw he can do a bit of everything um but specifically for cyber brokers um we approached him he loved the art he was a collector of my work um everything just sort of like fell in place and he was like yes let's do this let's build this so chris wrote up till the point you're at chris fully wrote the first four chapters um and then we um, we knew that we needed to grow our content and our lore team. So we've actually hired another full-time writer um, and we've hired a another gentleman who is actually starting to write um, many novels that are going to be released, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, and so uh, we're, we're expanding. Oh, and another really, really key part of our content is our writer's room. So in our community in our discord we had folks that were really passionate about the story starting to write their own stories and put them on twitter and put them in in discord and we said we need these people to help us decide where the story goes so um we made a private room that's invite only and the writer's room really gets to decide who comes in there um and they literally they they have behind the curtain on all of the content and they help us form everything they're writing people's cyber brokers into the story they're changing they're changing the the outcome of a lot of things of course at the end of the day chris is being the director and steering everything at least on the right path but we mm -hmm. have these amazing sources of different minds coming together to create the content and then of course we're getting really fun with it and having people like Robin, super massive, do the audio behind the chapter. His voice oh, is amazing. His He's voice great. is amazing. I said to I said to so Adam, that it, I, I said, you know, everybody is going to listen to this and it will remind them if they listened. I listened to every single Harry Potter book on uh, audio while yep. I was out for runs and, you know, whatever. And I think that that engaging voice that he has oh, yeah. has a and also the content, even though it's completely different than Harry Potter. It right. reminded me of that kind of, it's so complicated, but, yeah. and it's got this uh, draw to it that I think you're, you're really, you're really tapping into um, many ways to engage the community. Yeah. And you, and you, there's new vocabulary. There's a new time doesn't work in TPL as it works on earth. There's all these new things you have to get used to, and you're seeing them pop up in the store and you're like, oh, wait, that makes sense with that last thing I learned about. And it's really unraveling. And the really, really thing that gets me so excited about the content is that this main storyline of chapters here, we have these monthly quests, these circuits that um, the community is solving. And this last quest that we did, quest two, um, depending on how who, who solved the quest, we broke them up into three teams based on mind, body, or soul, which our mm -hmm. cyber workers have stats and, and um, we that plays a lot into the quests, depending on which team in the community was able to spread the word the most about cyber brokers being AI and, and all of these things um, were the winners of that quest. And we had already had three ends of the story written, depending on who won that end of the story got inserted into the chapter immediately after the quest finished. So the really fun thing about this here is 
we don't know the very end of the story yet. No one does. The community by their actions is actually writing that with us. So by, by what they do on a monthly basis, it's literally deciding the future of the story. So it's like a massive, which Chris says, I've never played it, but Chris plays it all the time. He says it's like a huge D&D game um, mm-hmm. because everyone is taking part of it, which is like, I don't think it's been done before in this way. Um, and it's really, it's, it's just so exciting to see. So on that idea of bringing in community members to help kind of build out the story, you also have, or Cyber Rogers has a community fund, correct? That mm-hmm. was seeded with initial mint proceeds. Um, would you be able to give us an overview of stuff that people have been working on or things that you've been recruiting for different content areas? Yeah, so we have we have two sectors of the community fund. The community fund bounties, which are things that um, we need to get done. We would love for a community member to do it rather than like hire out for like these small one-offs, like translating our story into Mandarin, into Spanish, into different languages for other people in our community to consume. Um, so we've already had really amazing community members step forward and take on those bounties and produce those things. And then we have the other side of it, the community fund, which is um, people present their, their ideas of a project that they want to build that fits within the cyber broker universe. Um, and they ask for funding. Um, and um, we have a really great example of our first accepted community fund project, which is um, uh, this lost paradigms is, is what they're calling it. And you guys, your backgrounds here are from it. Um, this is a community built project where they are actually creating Twitter banners, um, sort of like Dutch Tide style, Twitter banners of different things from our universe and our world. Um, and they're gonna have a mint and um, I, I don't know exactly their mechanics, so I'll save that for them to release. Um, I'm not sure if they have yet, but it, it's gonna explore, you know, TPL is huge. There's, there's like a Western town, there's the city, there's Moss Falls, there's all of these different areas where you can enter. So this sort of puts this, this visual aspect to it. So Gabriel, who's doing all the vehicles, Visual Swim, who's building out all these things in 3D and rendering them, um, Dot Degen, who's sort of being like the project manager of everything. They've come together and they're building an amazing project. And they actually, which is what I'm really excited about, because they're community built, they're, they're, they're from our cyber brokers community, they're doing this for cyber brokers and for other people too to come into our community. They, um, with a portion of their royalties, they're actually giving that back to the community fund to refund it and to um, help us invite more people and more projects into the fund. So um, we're really excited to do it. And it's a way that you know, we can empower our community members to be creative and, and, and do their own projects that work within our world and get funded for it. And can you, uh, TPL, define that? Oh, yes. TPL stands for the paradigm lost, um, which as you read the story, you have to read the story or listen to it with Robin's amazing voice. Um, the paradigm lost, um, there, was a, there was a project um, in, in basically the earth became frozen over. There was a modern ice age. Much of the population died off. Um, there was only about a billion people left on earth and went underground into these sort of bunkers to live. 
um, in, in this ice age. And um, the government, because of everything happening on the earth, decided to create this metaverse called um, the, the, I think initially, paradigm shift. Um, sorry, my memory is blanking on me, the paradigm shift. And um, something went wrong. The, the participants got stuck in this world forever. They couldn't get out. They were in cryo. Um, their bodies were, they got stuck here forever. And so it changed, uh, the name became the paradigm lost, um, TPL. So that's the name of the universe that we're in. Mm-hmm. I love it because I could see this really evolving to um, very naturally to a gaming backdrop you know, TPL is the gaming backdrop. And as you said, there are a lot of different spaces. It's huge. And, um, you know, what we always talk about is this idea that, you know, with with Fortnite, for example, Fortnite is just going to be one street in a larger neighborhood. And there, you know, you're going to be able to walk down the street and go to a, you know, Travis Scott concert as, as, you know, et cetera. And I could see this happening in, um, in TPL pretty easily. And I, and I do love these, these little hints that, that you get, you just mentioned, um, when, when one of the characters said something like, you know, you've just been told that your body's been frozen in cryo for 200 years. <laughs> He's like, oh, that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and, and do you, um, can you talk about the gaming aspect and, and how you might develop that? I love the, the way the content is developing feels TV series. It feels, it feels uh, you know, movie, TV series, entertainment, uh, books, et cetera. Um, and, um, and it feels like we're in build mode. How do you see this evolving to the gaming world? Yeah, we're definitely in build mode. Um, the three, the three pillars that we have going into cyber brokers, um, is content collectibles and gaming. And when I say gaming right now, it's definitely, it's, it's gamifying things. Um, so I, I like to say we are a gamified IP brand. Um, that is, we have this content, this rich story, uh, this rich world, and really everything we do is anchored around rich lore and, and beautiful art. Those are our two anchors for everything that we do, everything that we release, and has to have those two items. Um, gamifying the experiences is really exciting to me, and this goes back to me talking about um, how a lot of people have been building in, in, in silos. So we want to break a bit of that. We want to reach all different corners of the metaverse, which means that we don't just want to build in our own little corner. We want to be in other worlds. We want to send you across the metaverse to do things. Um, so we are building towards that. And, and the starting, the starting route for that is, is the quests. And you guys are going to start seeing more and more of that as these quests are being built up and released is that you're going to start um, not just doing things on our platform. You're going to have to go around a bit, which I'm really excited about. Um, and that is, is definitely about gamifying things right now. We are not, and we've said this before, going to be making a AAA game with cyber brokers. It's a... Um, it's a massive endeavor, massive um, cost, massive team. It's not the main goal for us. Um, but the really cool thing is that we have the assets, the story, everything ready if people do want to take cyber workers down that route. 
Um, but we will be doing more and more gamification, more and more metaverse things, um, more of that everywhere, mini games, all of that. Um, making a AAA game is not the route that we're going. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm so excited for the costume party, by the way. And I was thinking about the idea that you've got um, all of the, there are going to be a lot of people who are dressed up as cyber brokers. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm debating between one of my cyber brokers and, um, you know, paying tribute to a lot of money who we both, we both love, loved and um, has sadly passed. And um, and by the way, I, I, I cried my eyes out watching your behind the art interview of him yeah. um, because it was just, um, he was such an inspiration to us. And at that moment, he inspired me, by the way, and you inspired me in, in the way you, you know, asked the questions of him. Um, crazy that you asked him, do you want to live forever, by the way? Um, but you said, you know, we were, it, was, it was the moment of the, the trash art. And, and he said something like, um, he said something like, you know, you just have to, you're an artist, you have to keep creating, you have to keep going, you have to, you know, and, and, and you've got a mission, and you've got to let that roll off. And I thought that was just, it was inspirational, I think, to a lot of people in crypto at a moment where we've had various moments in crypto, where the, the, the negativity in crypto Twitter can take over. And yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm, that's, that's what I'm debating. But I, um, you know, I would love to hear actually about, you know, how you felt about that in, in retrospect in that in that interview. Um, and then I need advice on who I should dress as. <laughs> um, I think you should absolutely pay tribute to him. If you have something planned, I would, I think that'd be incredible. The, the party is bring any NFT to life. It's not just about cyber workers. It's, you know, we have some fun things. We have cyber workers dressed up as, uh, I think we're tweeting about it today, as, um, as Fluff World, as Aku, as Clonex, like it's fun, like bring any entity that you love to life. And if you have something planned for that, I would, I would love to see that. Um, a lot of money is inspirational in everything. Like I, I, he was loved by every single person that has he's ever touched and that has ever been able to even encounter him on Twitter. His yes. humor through everything um his humor his kindness his he literally I can't even count how many collaborations he, he did because he was just like yeah let's do it let's do it you know like all these things like so excited and willing to just say yes to everything and continue to create and um bringing his friends and other people into um crypto voxels and crypto art and, and showing them um oh sorry Oh, sorry, my screen went dark for a second. Um, and showing them the world that he was passionate about and living in and building. Um, I can't, I don't know as much personally everything he was going through. I know tidbits of it, but um, I, yeah, I'm just emotional thinking, sorry, wow, um, about how special a lot of money is and how much he's done for our space um and and for crypto art as a whole and making it such a positive experience i can't believe i've never cried on a podcast but he's <laughs> we can cut this out if you want to get yeah. no no it's fine it's this. <laughs> i have uh, i have a, say, a similar thing where i can't believe i never met him in person yeah um 
because just such an inspiration in terms of being an entrepreneur myself. Yeah. Uh, always staying positive, uh, no matter what. And always staying positive and making and making fun of everything. Like that was so like, <laughs> I mean, even his bio, like I'm laughing just thinking about myself reading his. I know. He's 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 incredible and will he will live forever like he really will um in the hearts of everyone the impact that he's made on our space like I love him he's amazing and I'm I'm um I'm just so so thankful for for knowing him and having to have been friends with him he's he's like a he's he's a different breed than a lot of folks out there um in the best way. He really is. And we bonded a lot about uh, over his, you know, he had a gaming background as well, mm-hmm. different from mine. He was an artist. Right. Um, and uh, he, uh, it was just amazing to see someone who'd gone through um, so many different cycles, so many different kind of waves of, um, you know, business cycles and, you know, art cycles and different um, mediums and just maintained this level of positivity creativity and humor through the whole thing. And I, you know, he was, um, you know, a single dad taking care of his daughter. I don't know her at all. I connected with her on Twitter, but uh, I think that you and I should, especially given our own backgrounds, um, make it a mission to, to help her and connect with her because uh, I, I know that, that his, his creativity and art will live on through her. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm glad we talked about this because I, you yeah. just made my decision. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay tribute to a lot of money at the costume party. But I, the reason I got off on that tangent is because I was just thinking about how perfect you say you're not building a AAA video game. But I, I do think that um, your, just the idea of your, your costume party with all NFTs uh, present is something that uh, in my, the back of my mind for years, I've thought, the, the, the real space that comes along um, will be one where we just are, you know, walking down the quote street in the neighborhood and we happen to see people, characters, whatever you want to call them from other communities. And right now it feels that we're so, um, we're still so siloed with yep. these one-dimensional um, pieces of art. And um, so I'm really excited about you not only bringing these to life, and, and creating uh, content and storyline and meaning and um, real social identity uh, to, the, to this artwork, but also um, reach or and also reaching so many more people uh, that because there is so much of crypto that has been, in, you know, inaccessible, honestly, yeah. just because of the price, as you mentioned. Absolutely. And we're, we are, that is something we are building towards in a big way. And we, um, haven't released a lot about what we're doing with mirrorware and what it's being built for. But um, when that starts to unfold and people see what's going on there, I think it's going to be really exciting. And it, and it for us is the first step to solving exactly what we're talking about right now. So I'm beyond excited that we are um, building those things out as well. And to and to show that to everyone. And I know the market is crazy right now, and that's what people are focused on. But I just can't help but be so freaking excited about everything we're building. And I'm not really looking at that too much. So it'll be really nice to see everyone in New York and and, and celebrate all of the NFT space that way. I can't wait to see you and everyone else. Um, Just give us a little hint about Mirrorware. Little hint. 
<laughs> I mean, what we've said so far is that mirrorware will be limited edition digital goods, right? Um, and and physical goods. Um, with mirrorware, um, I guess I guess there's I try to think of what things are like this. Um, mirrorware is is created for, or I'll say this. You have to be able to display your digital goods in some way. Um, there's something with mirrorware that's going to solve this. Um, there's also a big, a big inspiration to mirrorware is exactly what we just talked about that we don't want to build alone and in a silo of our own universe. Mm -hmm. We want people to be able to celebrate and express and identify with any NFT that they're passionate about um at the same time you know what i mean like i want people to be able to outfit themselves in in a a lot of money you know head a a cyber broker's jacket a whatever it is i want it to get bigger and for for people to experience all of their little pieces of identity at the same time um, um and as something cohesive so mm -hmm. that's a bit of a hint of the direction that we're going with mirrorware and what we're building. But again, like mirrorware and it, it has to be done right. We're so excited about the path that we're on, um, but it is going to take a little while to build. Um, it's not something that's gonna launch in 2022. Um, it'll be here in 2023 for sure, um, mm -hmm. because we are, it is um, a massive priority, um, but we, it is it's going to be built for what I think the metaverse means, um, which is much bigger than just us. I love that. As always, I feel like when I speak to you, I've been transported to the future. And uh, the fact that we didn't talk about the current market, I think is evidence of that. Uh, and uh, it's just really so exciting. Um, Josie, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy ahead of N uh, NFT NYC next week. And uh, I'm really excited to see you and to see everyone in person. I'm so excited to see you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Honestly, this, I, I was literally thinking about how I'm going to tweet that this is the favorite, my favorite podcast I've ever done. And I really, oh, so I thank you for having me on here. And, and um, it's so easy to talk to you and being friends and, and kind of going through that journey and, and, and talking about things that are really important. Um, so, so thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so thank you, much. Josie. So I really loved everything about this interview with Josie. It was so unexpected in so many ways because we really went uh, one level deeper and it, it could have been because we were friends, as, as she said, uh, and it could have really been because we're both mourning the loss of a lot of money. It was so influential to both of us. But there were so many points that Josie made that were in line with our thesis at Signum Growth, primarily around this idea that creating real content, real games, uh, you know, and real spaces, community, community uh, spaces takes time. And the ones that will last will not really be money grabs or in, include any sort of kind of upfront money grab. Uh, the other point that I thought was super interesting is that she left traditional finance as we did. And many might assume that this background is what makes her a great entrepreneur. But we learned in the show that it is so much deeper than this. It was the fact that really she's hustled her entire life 
she could have thrown in the towel uh, at the age of five, but instead she used her creativity and her entrepreneurial mind, and she created a better life for herself and for her family. Uh, what I was really impressed with Angie, is that, and I didn't really understand this prior to the interview, is that Josie is really building cyber brokers with her community. So there's kind of been this playbook of NFT projects jumping from the mint to promising merchandise and a land sale and a game, but they don't really have a community to back up any interest in it. Um, so Josie describes cyber brokers as this gamified IP brand. And the gamification factor comes in with the quest that she's shown us and the lore that she's hired two full-time writers for, um, as well as a community writer's room. Um, and that's really how she's building this tight-knit group. The community is all involved. And then underneath all of that, the art is also all on chain with custom-made contracts, um, just showing further her determination and longevity to the project. So mm. it's gonna be really cool to watch this develop from this self-funded uh, grassroots project into an interactive metaverse brand. Completely agree with that. I know this was only episode one, Evan, and I'm not sure how we are going to top it, but uh, we do hope that you as listeners enjoyed our first episode of Culture Meets Crypto with Signal Growth. And we would encourage you to uh, check out the show notes uh, and the links to Josie Bellini's Discord, Cyber Brokers, and also the audio version of the story, which is extremely engaging uh, as it unfolds. And, and that can be found on Spotify. Thank you so much for listening.